If you have your Bibles this morning, please join me in 1 John. We will be in chapter 2, verses 12 through 14 today. We're going to continue our journey through 1 John, verse by verse. And this morning's passage is just a powerful reflection of what we've just seen. As John is going to remind the people that he's writing to in the first century church of the power of a generational perspective of the power of the gospel. He's going to, it's a song, it's a poem that he wrote, or possibly copied, we don't know. And it's to young children, it's to parents, and it's to young men and women. And he has something very powerful to say to each demographic. And so I'm very grateful uh, for this opportunity to preach from this passage this morning, especially in light of the child dedications. Once upon a time, you were the baby that the man of God prayed over. Maybe it was in a church that uh, celebrated baby baptisms. Maybe it was in a church that does what we do with baby dedications and the hope of a baptism. But at one time in your life, you were the baby that your parents brought before the man of God and a blessing was prayed over your life. And then you grew and you were the young man or you were the young woman, woman who had a lot of energy and zest and passion for life. And you did your thing. And then some of us today are the older parents, the older men, the older women, who we look back on those two other seasons of our life, and we in turn have dedicated our children and our grandchildren. This is the context of what John is talking about this morning in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Would you join me uh, as I read the text? I do have the verses on the screen, but you'll see why I did this. I organize them differently than how you're going to find them in, in your Bible. So if you have your Bible, uh, follow along with me. Beginning in verse 12 of chapter 2, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus' name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have had victory over the evil one. In verse 14, I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have had victory over the evil one. And so you can sense in your Bible, these words are probably, maybe they're center justified, or they're in italics. But your, your translating team probably did something to indicate to you the poetic nature of these verses. And so you can see because of the repetition that it's like a song or it's like a poem. And so that's why I've grouped the verses according to the age demographic or the faith demographic that we find in these three short verses. So in, there's two stanzas, right? And he deals with the young children, the old men, and then the young men in that order two times. And so this morning, I've grouped the two verses that he applies to the little children together so that you can see them in the same place on the screen and, and of course, as in your Bible as well. John is writing, he says, to remind the little children that their sins have been forgiven. Church, I would believe that the message to us today would be something like this, that if we as a church are embarrassed by repentance, then the cleansing love of the Father is missing. Let me say that again. If we are embarrassed by repentance, the cleansing love of the Father is missing. 
It was obvious this morning as the families were transitioning up here and then they were standing here and trying to keep their little ones quiet while I was praying that there was some hustle and there was some bustle. Earlier this morning when the children were getting ready to go back to River Kids, you could hear that same sort of low rumble. And right now it's, it's pretty quiet, which is fantastic. Here's what we know about those of us who are young in age, who are little. We're hard to control. Uh, we, we cry at the wrong time and we're, and we're quiet at the wrong time. We, we, we're, we're little and, and we're emotional and we don't know what's going on. And sometimes we express ourselves boisterously. But it's not an embarrassment at all. We just move the stuff out of the way. Like we totally get it that if a little one starts to lose it during a child dedication, we're not going to discipline that child. We're going to try and comfort them as quickly as we can so that the service is not disrupted. But we're not surprised. Shocker, a baby cries during child dedication. Like, that's not a headline. That's not anything we would ever be surprised by. So it is when there is a new believer in Jesus Christ that their repentance is a little boisterous. It can be a little messy. And as a church, we would never do anything to embarrass that person in the exuberance of their new decision of faith. That a church should be a place where sins are being confessed and forgiven and the cleansing, powerful love of God is applied. And it's going to be a little messy. And if we're ever embarrassed by that, it's like being embarrassed of a child that is crying during a baby dedication. There's something wrong with us. We have forgotten the powerful decisions of faith that are being made by these families right now. It's worth our effort to pray through a little noise because of the power of the decision that is being made. As a church, if we are ever embarrassed by people who are confessing their sins and are repenting of things that enslave them for years, then we need to remember the powerful cleansing power of the love that comes from our Heavenly Father. We bathe our children regularly, more than they want to be bathed. We believe in cleansing them so much that if we're out in public and they get a little ketchup on their cheek, we will spit on them. That doesn't make any sense. But we're so concerned about a little bit of ketchup that we'll secrete bodily fluids in public to make it go away. That's awkward and weird, and yet we've all done it. Why? We believe in keeping our children clean. We do. We believe in keeping our children clean because we love them. Our Heavenly Father feels the same way. John writes to the first century church, little children, here's something that you know. Your sins have been forgiven by faith in Jesus Christ. Your superpower right now, being young in the faith, is the fact that you are a champion repenter. You are not embarrassed because you are experiencing the cleansing power of God. And so, of course, that is the application and the challenge for our church today. That if we are one of those new people in the faith, to never be embarrassed by confessing and turning from the things that displease our Heavenly Father and being embraced by His cleansing power. Knowing that as we make these decisions of faith, our church is going to love on you. There is a phrase right now that is creating a lot of confusion, and it's very, very simple. And, I, and I'm hoping to provide a measure of peace as I mention this phrase in the context of this scripture and what we just talked about, how that we are never going to be embarrassed, embarrassed by repentance, that we are always going to accept everybody right where they're at because that's what God does. He accepts 
everyone, and God affirms holiness. God accepts everybody right now, immediately, with perfect, unrelenting love. If he has to do something weird like we do and spit in public, he made the sacrifice of his son available, and it is powerful cleansing for the forgiveness of sins. God accepts everybody right now, immediately, exactly where they are, and he will always affirm his holiness. We see this all the time in our parenting. It's not a confusing concept at all. Are we open and affirming? Of course we are. We are open to loving people right where they're at and encouraging them and affirming them in holiness. We get it. Everybody needs to be repentant. Everybody needs a spit bath. Everybody needs to experience the cleansing power of Jesus that is available through faith in him. Are we open and affirming? Of course we are. We are open and accepting of everybody who comes and we are affirming of God's holiness. Understanding that we all need to be like little children, 100% confident in the repentant power of God's cleansing love. Bathe regularly, if necessary, spit. We should never be embarrassed by repentance. We should always be fans of God's cleansing love. We would never look down on a little one that got boisterous during making their family making a decision of faith. And so we should be as a church. The first encouraging word that John has to this first century church. I'm writing to you little children to acknowledge that this is where you're at, and it's great. It is your strength. The rest of us in the church that are older look to you as models of repentant faith and the cleansing power of Jesus. God, thank, thank the Lord for those of us who are new in the faith, who are like little children in matters of the gospel. Moving on, Paul speaks to fathers. He goes right to the oldest demographic in the church, the fathers and the mothers, the grammys and the grampies. If you're trying to think about an age, because, you know, is, is John talking to people of a certain age or is he talking to people of a certain spiritual maturity? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. Both. Uh, in that first century culture, probably if you're in your 40s, you're considered an older father or mother. Ouch. But it's real. Uh, if you're in your mid to late 40s, you've probably been married for the better part of 20 years, and you've probably been actively parenting for 15. You're not clueless anymore. You're not like a little child. You've actually started a family, and you've brought your own children to be dedicated, if not your grandchildren. So uh, in the first century world, right around the age of 40 or so would probably fall into this. Obviously, in matters of faith, if you've been a Christian... For more than five years or so, you would probably begin to fall into, you know, the early ages of this kind of category. Realistically, if you've been a man or woman of faith for more like 15 or 20 years, this is what John has to say to us. Uh, he says that you have come to know the one who is from the beginning, and he repeats it twice. Basically, the big idea is that those of us who have been uh, Christians for more than 15 or 20 years and that... Are, are through our active childbearing years and heading more towards the grandparent side of things. Long story short is we don't freak out. We know from the beginning. We've seen this before. This isn't our first time around. And John says, praise the Lord for you fa fathers and mothers of the faith who have known the father who is from the beginning. There is a stability. There is a regularity. There is a consistency in your walk and ministry. And the, the big idea is that if newer believers 
are making our mistakes, then loving authority is missing in our church. If newer believers are making our mistakes, we are the fathers and the mothers of faith. We've been doing this for a while. If we are the fathers and mothers of faith and newer believers are making our same mistakes, then our loving authority is probably missing in the church because fathers and mothers don't freak out. Grandma, grandparents and, and uh, don't freak out. They've seen this before. There is something that pilots never talk about, but it's the only thing that passengers ever talk about, and it's the one thing that pilots never talk about. Passengers always talk about turbulence. Everybody has a turbulent story. I've heard them all. You're welcome to share with me your turbulent story. If my eyes glaze over, you'll have to forgive me, but I've actually heard it before. Pilots don't talk about turbulence. They maneuver. Center Delta 2416, light chop at 240, requesting clear air. Southwest 9216, ride report at 32,000. Southwest, this smooth. Delta 2416, climb maintain 32,000, report. Delta 2416, leaving 270 for 320, thanks for the help. I'm not talking about turbulence, I'm getting out of it. Because I know what's happening in the back. Oh my gosh, we're going to die. Look at my soda jiggle. It's light chop, people. It's not even turbulence. Pilots don't talk about turbulence. We maneuver. We get out of it. Parents and grandparents, older fathers and mothers, we don't even remember the bad times so much anymore. We just know what to do when we see them. Somebody pukes. We're not crying. We're borrowing our spouse's shirt to mop it up. And our spouse is like, yeah, it'll clean. Like, that's what we do. If newer believers are making our mistakes, the same mistakes we made, then our loving authority is missing in the church. If nobody is asking us how to maneuver through the challenges of their young families and their young careers, then they don't trust our loving authority. We haven't reached out to them. They, they don't know us. And, and I, I promise you, what would you have done 10 years ago to have a cup of coffee with yourself today? You've got a couple of things to share. You may not feel like you're an older father or mother in the faith, but what would the 10-year younger version of yourself think? That you're old. <laughs> and that you have a few things to share. That you would buy your future self a cup of coffee right now if you could talk to the future self 10 years from now. Because 10 years from now, you know that you're going to know things that you don't know right now. If the younger believers in our church are making our same mistakes, our loving authority is missing. You can come and cry on my shoulder, but I'm going to tell you what to do. Because I've seen it before. I know how the Lord moves through these situations. And I'll compassionately come along and love you as someone compassionately came along and loved me. Yeah, there's, let's, let's talk about our feelings and work through it together. But know that I'm not clueless in this. I've seen sick children before. I've seen spouses that are acting like chuckleheads before. I've seen illness. I've seen cancer. I've seen death. I've seen debt. I've seen it all. Why? Because you're in your 40s or 50s, that's why. And you didn't live in a bubble. You have an encouraging word for younger believers. Don't let them make your same mistakes. Don't let them get the second and third credit card. You know that's a mistake. Don't let them do that. 
Don't let them buy cheap tires for their cars. You know that's a mistake. You made that mistake. Don't let them make the mistake of not disciplining their children in love. Don't make the mistake of not encouraging them through the power of prayer. Don't make the mistake of letting them be codependent. You've made all those mistakes. I've made all those mistakes. We know we don't do that stuff anymore. It's easy for us. Just request a new altitude. Right? We got this. It's not hard. There are so many young families. There are so many young families that are going through it right now. If they're making the same mistakes that we made, then our loving authority is missing. John says, praise the Lord for you fathers and mothers because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. You're not, you're not freaking out. And there are families in our church who need that kind of comfort and experience for someone to look them in the eye with 100% confidence and say this, it's actually going to be okay. We're going to praise the Lord together through this. How powerful would that have been to you 10, 15, or 20 years ago when it felt like you, 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 it was all you could do to get the kids to church? Never mind, you know, do errands after church and make dinner as well. You, you would have loved to have had someone in the faith who could have come alongside you and comforted you that way. If newer believers are making our, our same mistakes, loving authority is missing. Praise the Lord for the older saints in our congregation. And by that I mean, I guess, people like my age. It's, it's broader than we would think. Biblically old is actually kind of young. Moving on. Then Paul addresses the active demographic. He calls them the young men. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have had victory over the evil one. They're in the fight. They're in the battle. Swords up, shields up, on the move, hustle, hustle, duck and run. Victory, defeat battle. He continues, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you and you have had victory over the evil one. Where do we see victories over the evil one? In week-by-week ministry. That's where we see it. Children being taught, children being loved, outreaches being performed, fellowships being provided for, small groups being facilitated, stuff getting set up, stuff getting torn down, Ministry is happening in all these contexts, and battles are being won in ministry. And the big idea is, is that if we are not ministering, our love and energy are missing. If we're not ministering, all of our energy is being spent according to our agenda. You catch that? If we're not involved in ministry, all of our energy, all of our resources, all of our zip-zing, is being expended in bringing the kids to soccer practice, dance lessons, after-school clubs, all of it. If we're not involved in ministry, all of our energy as young men and women of faith, none of it is being invested in the church fellowship. It's missing. It doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of uh, skill. What it takes is heart and energy to minister in the church. If we are not ministering in our church, our love and energy are missing. And honestly, this is the largest demographic in our church. We have a number of young people, and we praise the Lord for those repentant decisions of faith. They're growing up in the faith, and we're mentoring and loving on them. We get that sometimes that's a little bit of messy. We have a number of older saints, 40, 50, and above, and we praise the Lord for their experience and their tenure and their wisdom. We depend upon that. 
But largely, River Church, we are young men. We are young women. We are actively having children. <laughs> like no other church I've been a part of. Good job. You're doing good work. Yay. More is coming. Praise the Lord. And, those, and that means these are also, and I don't mean to stress you out, but these are also our active ministry years. That we bring an energy, that we bring a love, that we bring a passion into ministry that either is not there when we're newly saved or has been mellowed by life when we're older. And so the high energy ministries that are happening right now with kids and with outreach and building programs, these are all ministries that are moving forward by people who are sharing of their own love and energy. And if, and if we're not involved in ministry, then our love and energy is missing. Here, here's, here's another way of looking at it. For every time you come to church and you have a question, you're like, well, what about the, or why aren't we? Because sometimes we feel that way. For every time you come to church and you have a question, somebody is qualified and called with the answer to that question. The Lord promises to provide every need of his bride. His church is not going to go unresourced. It's his bride. He is passionate about providing for his bride. How does he do this? Through spiritual gifts and abilities. And his church is well-resourced. The Lord is not going to be stingy with spiritual gifts and aptitudes and abilities towards his bride whom he sent his son to die for. So if there's a lack, if there's a question, like, why aren't we doing this? The answer is, someone's love and energy is missing. Because the Lord has resourced the church with the answer. Someone is qualified and called, but they're not engaged. That's the reality. And I'd say half the time, when someone has the question about, well, why aren't we doing this? You know, why aren't we doing that? And why isn't, shouldn't the church be a part of this? The person with the question is the one who's qualified and called. They're the one with the heart for it. And, and John says, praise the Lord for the young men, for the young women. They are strong, they are energetic, and they are experiencing victory in ministry. Don't miss out. By way of conclusion this morning, I want you to see that regardless of our stage of life, biologically, and regardless of our spiritual maturity or lack thereof, the gospel has a message of love for everybody. For those of us who are new and repentant, we embrace the Lord and we're so grateful for the cleansing love of forgiveness that comes from the Father. It's so refreshing and it's so freeing. We're literally transitioning from being a slave to someone who is now free to serve. And, and it's a message of love that the Lord accepts us where we're at and affirms holiness. If we are an older saint and we've been in church for more than a decade or two, we know that we have been given the privilege of having loving authority simply because this is not our first rodeo. And we have the opportunity to help new families of faith have a different experience than us because we're able to share with them how the gospel can actually be applied to their life. And finally this morning, we know that if we are in this active childbearing season of life, or we've been saved for more than five years, but less than 15 or 20, we are in an active season of ministry, and we're going to see the Lord accomplish victories as we are engaged in ministry. And that the gospel to us is a message of love and energy. 
So whether we are young or old or somewhere in the middle, God's love has a specific application for us. And John is writing to his readers to say, remember this. You know this. This is something the Lord has blessed you with. An aspect or a a feature of his love that means a lot to you right now. Embrace it for what it is and know what the next level is as well. And move forward wisely. And that's where the text is going to take us next week. John says, this is what you know, and this is what's going to challenge what you know. But before I tell you what's going to challenge what you know, be very firm in what you know, and that is your current experience of how God is loving you. Through repentance, through wisdom and authority, and through ministry. Would you join me as I pray? Heavenly Father, it's possible that there's someone here this morning who has not accepted your love. And it is our heart that they would see in the power of this text that it doesn't matter what phase of life we are in, how old we are, how young we are, that your gospel has a message of love to us. And so, Father, if there's someone here this morning who has not been empowered by the cleansing power of your love through repentance, it's just a simple prayer like this. It's like the cry of a baby. Heavenly Father, I've been doing things a certain way, and now it's time to stop. I've made a mess of myself, and I need to be cleansed from the inside out. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my my life of the images that I have embraced. Cleanse my mind of the thoughts that I have allowed to run rampant. Purge me from the hatreds that I have been getting power from in my anger. Instead, Father, fill me with your love. Cleanse me with your forgiveness. Replace all of my hurt and my wounds through the power of your Holy Spirit. Adopt me this morning. Change my name forever. That I will always be known as a son of God or a daughter of God. Heavenly Father, some of us have been in ministry for a long time. And I I pray that you would give those of us who have been Christians for most of our life the grace that comes with having been around the block for a few times, that we would speak with authority. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would minister powerfully to your people through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we would understand the great power that we have within us, that our questions almost always lead to a confirmation of a call. Lord, would you honor and glorify the preaching and the teaching of your word this morning? Would you send your blessing to these families and their friends who have come this morning? Would the name of Jesus ring ever clearer and clearer in Eastern Connecticut? We ask these things.